I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. The task which has been set us is not above our strength, long as we have faith. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. God's work must truly be our own. Oh, good morning, church. Good morning, and welcome back to our series called Unstoppable. And I love this series. I just love it because we're talking about the greatest movement in history. And in history, there have been a lot of movements, right? But the greatest movement is the one that keeps going, and it's God's church. And God's church is unstoppable. And we've seen how the church is the hands and feet of Christ in this world. The, the church is the vehicle by which God accomplishes his work in the world today. The church is not a place the church is the body. The body assembled. And the, the church is not a country club. It doesn't just exist for its members. The, ch the church is always reaching out and sharing the love of Christ with others. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. She is alive and moving and changing the world for the glory of God. It's been through the church that the schools were started, universities, hospitals, hospice, uh, prison reform. It's through the church that the, the poor have been fed and the, the broken taken care of. It's been through the church that orphans have families and homes. God has used his church through the generations. And now the generations come to us. And we are the church. And so how are we going to live as a part of this movement that's unstoppable? If you have a Bible with you, I invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Acts is really the story of God's church. Uh, Acts was written by Luke, Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Luke is kind of the Gospel of Volume 1, talking all about Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the miracles that he did. And, and then you come to Acts chapter uh, 3, and it's talking about the movement of the church. And you see this. If you maybe don't have a Bible, maybe you've got a mobile device, you can access the Scriptures online with us or follow along there. Also, we'll put the words on the screen uh, if you want to track along with us. Also, if you need a Bible, we've got free Bibles for you. So just you can grab a Bible in the back and that could be your Bible. Put your name in it and keep it with you. Uh, also, if you access your Bible uh, online, you can go to Version and download so you'll have the Bible with you all the time or get the Rolling Hills app. And we have daily Bible readings to help you grow throughout the week. Spiritually, you know, it's not just on Sunday mornings. It's throughout the week that we're growing and maturing in our faith. And so Acts stands for the Acts of the Apostles. And Luke is writing in Acts chapter 1. He talks about as Jesus, after his death, burial, his resurrection, that Jesus appears to his disciples. And actually Jesus appeared to over 500 people, right, in his resurrected body. And, and then he pulls his disciples together and he says, hey guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, I want you to go out and share the love of Christ with others. And he said, you guys go and pray and get ready because God the Father is gonna send a gift to you. And the gift is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, then you just do as God prompts you. You just go and have spiritual conversations. You pray for people. You go and be the hands and feet of Christ. And these disciples are like, uh, okay, you know, we're ready. And then Jesus ascends into heaven, and now they're like, what's going to happen? I mean, they're, they're worried, they're afraid. You know, Jesus was crucified in the same city where they are now. But 50 days later at Pentecost, they're gathered together about 120 believers. And in Acts chapter 2, Luke writes that the Holy Spirit comes. 
And the Holy Spirit descends upon this early church, these 120 believers, as tongues of fire. And they are just so excited about what God's doing. The Holy Spirit fills them and they go out at Pentecost where people have come from all over and are filling Jerusalem. And they start talking about Jesus and telling people about Jesus. And Peter stands up and preaches on the temple steps and 3,000 people accept Christ. And then it tells us in Acts 2, 42 through 47, that they started meeting together in people's homes and, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were studying the word of God together. They were worshiping together. They were breaking bread and sharing meals together. They were meeting needs in the community together. They would sell possessions. If they saw somebody who had a need, they would say, hey, you know what, people are more important than stuff. We'll sell something and we'll go help somebody. And it became contagious. God moving and God working and it was exciting, and it still is today. Look here in Acts chapter 3. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, the early church was doing much like we do. Uh, the early church would have corporate worship together. And so they would meet up on the, on the temple grounds. And can you imagine 3,120 people? They're all gathered up there, and they're, they're singing songs like we do. They're worshiping. Right? They had a worship leader. They would have teaching. They had corporate worship times. But it also says that they met in homes, right? They did both. They had times where they had everybody together, which is important for us, Sunday mornings to come and to focus on God, to, to dedicate the first part of the week to Him. This is an important time. But it says then throughout the week, they would have times where they would gather, whether it was their community groups or they would have maybe if tables. I don't know how they all did it back then, but you know, like we do today, where they got if tables, you got men's you know, Bible studies or men's times to get together. You would have interest groups. But it's important for all of us. There's a corporate time of worship and then smaller groups where we're getting together and you have people to encourage you and people to hold you accountable and people to challenge you. So Peter and John are on their way to the corporate gathering. They're on their way to church. And verse two tells us, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. So every day, right, they're going up to church, they're going in, and there's a beggar sitting right here. Now, the temple gate Beautiful, I mean, Jerusalem is surrounded by these gates, these big walls, and then you come through the gates, and the temple gate Beautiful leads up to the temple mound. And, and so thousands of people are walking by this beggar all the time going to church. And this beggar's thinking, you know what, I got a strategic spot because people are going to, up to the temple, they're hearing about giving to the poor, they come right by me, you know. So here he is right there and he's begging every time. He's got his hand out and he's begging. And here he goes, verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Right, I mean, this guy's thinking, I need money. You know, how else am I gonna earn a living? How else am I gonna have a job? So I need Money, I think money's gonna solve all my problems. I need money. Peter looked at, straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Right? Why did Peter say that? Because you can imagine, this guy's just begging, you know, money, money, money. And he's not even looking at people in their eyes. He's, he's just begging. And Peter and John are going into church and the Holy Spirit stops them and says, whoa, wait a minute. What about this guy? What about this guy? And so they stop and they say, hey, God wants to do something in your life and it's bigger than money. Look at us. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today 
And man, your mind's distracted. You got all kinds of things going on in life. It's a busy season, right? School's getting ready to end. And you're already thinking about what's going to happen this afternoon. You're already thinking about tonight. You're already thinking about this week. And you're laying it out. See, Jesus never healed anybody until they gave him their full attention. And Peter and John learned that. And they said to this guy, God wants to do something in your life. But you need to look and you need to listen. And maybe today, man, there's all kinds of things going on in your life. But... But God brought you here for a reason. And God wants to speak to you through whether it's a song sung or through a scripture read. But God has us here today. And I believe God's saying for us, look at him. Listen. There's something about to happen. Then Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now look at this, verse 7. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Hold on, before I get to verse 7, listen to this power right here. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Now that wasn't what this guy was expecting, was it? This guy was just doing money, money, money. But Jesus is greater than money. Jesus is greater the money. And so many times, man, we can fall into this trap, can't we? We can be identified with this guy because we're going, God, I just need money. I need money. Money will solve my problems. Money, if I have more money, if I can get a raise, if I can get a bonus, if I can get a better paying job, if I can get money, then somehow I will be okay. And what we have to realize is this is Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. See, our world, our world thinks that, you know, man, all our problems will be solved if we just get money. But what our world needs is Jesus, and what we need is Jesus, right? I mean, what we need is Christ. Christ alone. He's the one who transforms us. He's the one who changes us. He's the one who provides for us. And if Peter and John would have just walked by and dropped a coin in and kept going, this guy would still be there. But they said, no, God wants to do something bigger in your life. We, we live in a world that it seems like it's all about money, right? I mean, it does. And yet, when we look at people who win the lottery, or we look at professional athletes, or we look at celebs in Hollywood, or whatever else, and then we go, hey, wait a minute. Maybe that's not the answer. Maybe there is more to life. I remember being on a mission trip one time, and I was in a really poor, poor, poor area uh, across the ocean, and you know, I was working in this place, and it, and you go to help people on a mission trip, you know what I'm saying? And half the world lives on less than $2 a day. And, and Yet I saw something in these Christians. These followers of Jesus would come to worship, and they're just worshiping God. And they would be at their homes, and they didn't have a whole lot, but they were sharing meals, and they were cooking for us. And, and you go, wait a minute, there, there's something different here about the way they live and their joy and their peace and where it comes from. And, and I was talking to them about that, and she said, well, yeah, we pray for you guys in America. I said, you pray for us? She goes, oh yeah, we pray for the church in the United States. And I said, well, what do you pray for us? And she said, we just pray that you guys won't get distracted by all the money and stuff that you have. I was like, whoa. That was right there, right? Because you start to think about it, how much time do we spend taking care of our stuff? I mean, how much, I, mean I think we're the only culture that's ever existed that builds 
storage places for stuff. I mean, we, we, we just acquire it. I have a good friend who's got, I mean, he's very, very wealthy, but he worries so much about the stock market. He worries so much about what's going to happen with the housing market. He worries, it, and it's all of his life is worry. And now it's okay to be successful. It's okay to have money. There were some rich people in the Bible. But what you see in this story and what happens so often in our lives, it's just like this beggar. There's people who can be really close to God, right? He's just right outside the temple. I mean, he's right outside of worship. But, but his heart is all about money. And maybe you're here today, and man, money has just been a big thing on your heart and on your life. And yet today, God would say, listen, 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 I'll provide for you, but you trust me. I want your heart. I care about you. I want to do something bigger in your life than just give you a little bump in salary because you know what? You're going to want more and more and more. I want you to find enough in me. That's where change happens. That's where transformation happens. And so Peter and John say, silver and gold, we don't have, but listen, we got something better. We've got Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, walk. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I mean, can you picture this guy? He for years has been begging right here, you know. Money, money, money. And then they take him by the right hand and reach out to him. And he steps up and he's like, I can't believe it. And they're like, well, come to church with this man. And he's like, all right. You know, so he goes up the steps. He's in the temple courts and they're singing worship songs. And he's praising, man. He's just going for it. He's like, my life has changed. Look at me. As disciples, as disciples, we got to understand this. It's important for us to give money. It's important for us to be generous. But we're called not only to give money. We're called to give Jesus <laughs> Right, we're called to give Jesus because Jesus is the one who changes lives. Jesus is the one who's changed my life. Jesus is the one who brings hope and help and transformation into this world. And it's more than money. Now it's important to give money, right? We should. There's over 2,000 verses, if you're taking notes, 2,000 right there, 2,000 verses in the Bible about giving to the poor. We ought to be the most generous people because we have a lot. We ought to be people who are generous. Back in the Old Testament, God said, hey, when I bring you into the promised land, when he was taking them out of land of slavery, out of Egypt, and he was bringing them into this beautiful land, he said, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. God's given us a lot right here. Yeah. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. But when you harvest your crops, don't go all the way to the edge of your fields. Leave that for the poor. God was making arrangements. God has a heart for the poor. God has a heart for the broken. Praise God for that in our lives even. God has a heart. And God says, I want you to be the hands and feet. I want you to be generous. I want you to take care of people. And back in the Old Testament, God established known as the, the tithe, giving our first 10% back to God. You know, because God said, hey, I'm going to give you a lot. And I want you to take that first 10% and offer it to help others. You know, to, to the others, people who are in need. And that's a pretty good deal when you think about it, right? God says, I'll give you 90%. You, you just give back 10%. Okay, that's great. But what can happen is we go, now we want more, want more, want more. But God established that, I believe, for helping the poor, but also for helping us. Because it's so easy for us to be close to the temple in our heart, 
sway toward money. And so God said, hey, let me just establish something real quick. So your first fruits, you just give back to me. That'll keep your heart in tune with me. That'll keep you focused on me. That'll keep me as the priority in your life. But God has a heart for the poor, but it has to be more than money. Right, we can meet a lot of physical needs, but the spiritual needs go on for eternity. This guy, they could have fed him and given him a meal, but the fact of the matter is he was going to die, and he would die without Jesus. And so they said, let me impact you for more than a meal. Let me impact you spiritually for eternity. And Peter and John got that, and we do too. We need to be generous. We need to give. But we need to also say, I want to give you Christ. In the name of Jesus, I believe in you. In the name of Jesus, God has a plan for you. In the name of Jesus, God can heal your marriage. God can redeem your life. God can restore you. In the name of Jesus, we are called to meet physical needs, but also spiritual needs. And do you realize in 2014, in the United States alone, uh, we gave over $358 billion to charity. $358 billion. That's with a B, right? Billion dollars to charity. And yet you look around and you say, well, why do we still have the poor? Well, shouldn't we wipe out poverty? Well, why do we still have needs? Because it's bigger. It's a heart issue. It's something inside all of us that longs to be accepted, that longs to belong, that longs to have a relationship with the creator of the world. And as disciples, Peter and John got it. And said, hey, we're going to help you, man. We're going to feed you. You're going to come be a part of the church. We'll take you to people's homes. But listen, we're going to give you something greater. It's Christ. That's why I'm a big believer in what we do through Justice and Mercy International. You know, you walk by the booth every week and, and you see the pictures of kids. And Lisa and I, we sponsor orphans in Moldova. We also do sponsorships of, of orphan kids in the Amazon or Red Hill, South Africa. As a church, you guys are impacting the world. But what I love about this is it's not just, hey, I'm going to give, you know, 40 or $50 a month. And that's important to meet physical needs, to buy clothes and food. And we do that. We have a staff in all three of those countries that takes care of these kids that we work with. But you know what else we do? We provide Bibles. And we talk to them about Jesus. And they email us. Our orphan kids email us from Moldova, right? And now we're emailing back and forth with them because they've got questions and they don't have parents and they're trying to figure life out. And we're saying, hey, we want you to know what Christ has done in us and we want you to know God has a plan for you. And so we were able to share the love of Christ, meeting physical needs and meeting spiritual needs. And that's when transformation truly happens. And this guy, man, his life was changed just as all our lives have been changed. In verse 9, it says, When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I mean, all these people now in the temple courts, they see this guy worshiping, and they're like, wasn't that the guy who, that was the dude we passed all these years. Check him out. And now they're going, wow, this is great. This is amazing. See, our God specializes in transformed lives. I love that. Our God specializes in transformed lives. I mean, we have incredible stories here at Rolling Hills of people. I was talking to a guy after the first service. He goes, man, I'm that story. You know, the doctors told me I didn't have but a month to live. And here I am, you know, three years later. I mean, God had a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. We've seen God do physical miracles. We have. But the bigger miracles happen as we see God change hearts, as we see God change lives. Where there is God, there is always hope.
Where there is God, God always specializes in redeeming and restoring and making people new, drawing people close to him. It's the way God works, bringing joy and peace and hope in people's lives. God specializes in transformed lives. What I love to think about is, is this, is, is this guy was sitting there at that temple gate, you know, for years. And I wonder how many times Jesus came by. And I wonder how many times Jesus would come by and, and he's begging and maybe Jesus gave him some money. But I bet Jesus just would get a smile and go, hey man, just wait. God's going to do something big. Hey, you just wait. You know what? I'm going to heal you. But hold on, because I've got these two guys, they're going to be leading the church, and they're needing to step up, and you're going to be a part of the church. You, you, just, you just wait, just hang on. You stay strong. God is always preparing to do something great. And God is just inviting us to open our eyes and to look at him, because God is always at work. And maybe you're here today, and, man, you're going through a tough time. Maybe things are really hard. Listen, don't give up. God's timing is perfect. I know it's not your timing, and it's not my timing many times. I mean, we want God to do instantly. But, but God was going to do something great in this guy's life, and God's doing something great in your life. Romans 12, 12 says, you know, be faithful. Be faithful in prayer. Be joyful even in affliction. But always have hope. Because God is here. And God wants to do something in you. This guy's life has changed, and all of a sudden there's a big buzz that's happening up on top, and it says, verse 11, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. <laughs> so you can imagine, I mean, all of these people are seeing this, and they come running over, and they're like, what's going on? What's going on? What's happening? And when Peter saw this, he said to them, now this is powerful, because Peter and John right here just give the glory to God. Peter and John see all these people running over and saying, what's happening? What's going on? And Peter says to him, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as all you can see. Peter sees this opportunity, right? All these people are running, what happened, what happened, what happened? And instead of Peter and John going, check us out, we're pretty cool, right? I mean, they don't steal the glory. They go, hey guys, it's God. This is what God wants to do in everybody's life. This is the way God wants to transform. They just give the glory back to God. See, when good things happen in our lives, right, we have an opportunity to say, hey man, I just scored that deal. You know, man, I'm killing it at work. Hey, you know, these things are going great. Or we have the opportunity to say, I'm going to give the glory back to God. God, thank you. God, look at what you're doing. And I can tell other people, look at what God's doing in my life. Peter and John had a platform right there. And the fact is, every one of us has a platform. Now, you may not think about it, but, but you do. And how do you use that platform? 
What do you communicate on your platform? Uh, this past Thursday, we had the Men's Leadership Network, and we had Mike Hamilton uh, as a special guest. Mike Hamilton was the athletic director at the University of Tennessee, so a lot of the guys in here you may recognize. You know, he was the one in the Philip Fulmer transition. He was the one that, with Lane Kiffin and Bruce Pearl. So, so the guy, you know, was the athletic director for a lot of years at Tennessee, and now he's the executive director of Show Hope. And Show Hope with Stephen Curtis Chapman and working with orphans in China. And Mike Hamilton said something Thursday that just really caught me. He said, I wonder if God gave me that athletic director at Tennessee so that I would have a platform to be able to share with everybody about what God can do in people's lives and in the lives of orphans. He said, now I can go and I can talk to anybody in the state of Tennessee and people get it because there's a connection because of football. He said, but I could connect them to the greater story of what God wants to do in their lives in the lives of orphans. And I thought, wow, yes, yes. You see, as disciples, as disciples of Christ, every one of us has a platform. And you, you have a platform, and you have a platform on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, right, on Pinterest. And a lot of you, I mean, you spend a lot of time there. And, and what do we put out? What do we share? It's great to share pictures of family and friends and all those things. But also, are we saying, hey, let me tell you what God's doing. Let me share with you hope in life. How can we use what God has entrusted to us to be witnesses like he's called us to and to share the love that we've received? Uh, my daughter, is, Kate, is our youngest daughter. She's seven. And she's in first grade. And I love Kate. She is, she's just so precious. And so it was show and tell week, you know, and so at school. And so we said, okay, Kate, what are you taking for show and tell? And kind of thought, it's going to be a stuffed animal, you know, or something like that, right? Going to first grade, show and tell. And, and she, she pulls this out. She says, here's what I'm taking, mom. She tells her, I'm taking my Rolling Hills purple pin. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you probably have like a hundred of these at home, but uh, probably in your chair right now. But she pulls out this Rolling Hills purple pin. So Lisa calls me. She goes, all right, pray for Kate today. I don't know what's going to happen, but <laughs> she's taking show and tell. And she's taking a Rolling Hills purple pin. And I go, all right. I'm praying for her. There she is. So Kate goes to show and tell. When I get home that night, I said, hey, Kate, uh, tell me about show and tell today. She goes, well, Dad, I took my purple pen. And I said, well, what did you say? And she said, well, I told my class. I said, this pen represents my church. And she said, I love my church. And she said, at my church, we talk about God and we talk about Jesus. And she said, my daddy's a pastor. And so he gets to have all the adults. They all get together in a big room and and they talk about God, and they sing songs, and then we get with all of our friends, and we sing songs about God. And, and she said, um, I just want to invite, I don't know if you have a church, but I'd love for you guys to come to my church. It's Rolling Hills. She said, that's what I told them. I said, way to go, girl. <laughs> I said, that's awesome, you know. Who would ever dream that you had a platform at show and tell? And she just said, I, I want to tell them, Dad, I love my church. And I thought, man. Uh, Kate was in the baptism information class this morning, and um, as a dad, it's been my joy to have the opportunity to baptize my, my other two daughters, and, and I can't wait. I mean, we're having these spiritual conversations at home, and I love it. I love seeing my kids grow up here at a church that invests in them and that teaches them about Jesus. And you guys, all of us, we have an opportunity, right? You may not have show and tell at work. I don't know where you, where you work, but you, know, but you have an opportunity all the time to walk by and just place a hand on somebody even at work and say, hey, I'm praying for you. 
hey, I don't know what's going on. I know you're struggling, but listen, I'm going to say a prayer for you. And you may think, oh, I don't know how that's going to go over, right? I don't know how Peter and John thought about this guy, but, but they were just obedient. And maybe you have neighbors and they're struggling. And when you start to hear things like, hey, we're having a hard time making friends. We're having a hard time connecting. And you say, well, I'd love for you to come to my church. And God's doing something. God's at work. I'm struggling right now with finances. You know what? I've been there. <laughs> and you can pray for them or pray with them. You can invite them to church. You can invite them to vacation Bible school. You can invite them to summer camp and say, hey, you got kids. Tell them to come on. Because God wants to do something greater in your life. There's a guy in our church, and he was telling me about, they were on a cruise a couple of weeks ago. He goes, here we are on a cruise, and we're sitting at this table, and all these people are there, and everybody's talking and chatting, and he goes, we're just getting to know people. And then he said this one couple was probably in their 30s, and he said they kind of began to shut down as we talked about kids and grandkids, and I could tell something was up. And there was something in my spirit and my heart, and so I, I pushed in a little bit and said, hey, can, what's going on with you guys? Are you guys okay? And we just met them. And they opened up about infertility and how they've been struggling and things were hard. And he said, I sat right there and I said, you know what, guys, listen. I just want to tell you, God hears and there's a God who cares about you. I don't know if you guys know God or if you have a relationship with him, but I want to tell you, God's changed my life and God wants to work in your life. And where there's God, there's always hope. And I want to encourage you to find a church wherever you live, whatever part of the country you live in. And a friend was telling me about this, and he goes, who would have thought that God would take me on vacation and put me at a table with some people because he wanted those people to hear that he's a God of hope. He said, those people, it was amazing because we had this incredible conversation. See, God's working in your life. God's working in this beggar's life. God's working in the people around you. But God's also working in you. And there was a divine appointment that God had scheduled right there. And Peter and John had to just be obedient and step into that. And you and I as disciples today, God's got divine appointments that are happening. And God's saying to you and to me, hey, just step in there. Just be open and be willing. And then give the glory to God. Give the glory to God. Keep going here. Look what happens. It says in verse 17, now brothers, here's Peter talking. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Now this is huge, you guys, because Peter is talking to the same people who had Jesus killed. 50 days earlier, Jesus was nailed to a cross. I mean, it's the worst possible way to die. And Peter steps into that. And Peter says, guys, let me tell you about Jesus. I know you acted in ignorance, but, but listen, there is a God who is greater. For all of us, sometimes we think about, well, I don't want to engage in a spiritual conversation or I don't want to talk to or invite somebody to church or tell somebody I'm praying for them because I'm worried about persecution, right? I'm worried about people going to, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? Are they going to push back on me? You know, Peter, this dude's putting his life on the line. <laughs> I mean, this guy is standing up in front of people who killed Jesus and he's just saying it flat out. Do, do you realize that today, we have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are putting their life on the line to come to worship like this. You know, for us, it's easy because we kind of step into it and, and we're like, yeah, this is great. You know, our biggest struggle is waking up on time. And, and yet we have brothers and sisters in Christ, in China and in India, in places that are having to sneak to go to church because they're so hungry to be in the word and with other believers and to worship and to praise God. And there's persecution that they're facing, that they could be arrested and taken to jail. They could be even killed. But do you also know that the church 
is growing more in China and India and those places than it is even right here. Because persecution fuels the movement so often. Because people are hungry for people of conviction. People are hungry to see people who are passionate about something in this world. And people know that money won't satisfy. And people know that this world is not enough. And people are saying, what is it? And they're longing for somebody to say, there is hope and there's Christ. And so Peter steps into it and says, hey guys, listen, I know you made a mistake. You messed up. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ, and Christ literally means Messiah. Remember the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. His Christ, the Messiah, would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on. And so he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the Jews who understood the Old Testament. He says, all of this has been leading up to Christ. All this has been leading up to Jesus. As many as have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people of earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, He sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Look what Peter does. He doesn't back away from the platform that God's given him. He steps into it and says, okay, God, I'm just going to lay the gospel out. And a lot of times we're afraid to say something because we're like, I don't know. I don't know if I know enough about the Bible. I don't know if I have the right things to say. Look what Peter did. He just presented it so simply. Hey, you messed up. We've all messed up. You know, we've all made mistakes. Peter's probably like, you know what? I denied Jesus three times. I mean, that was terrible, right? I mean, 50 days earlier, I blew it. We've all made mistakes. I mean, then he says, repent. You know, you're, you're going one way. You're living for the things of this world. You think those are going to satisfy. But repent. Turn to God. It's all about Jesus. He's the one who heals. He's the one who redeems and restores. And then he says, listen, Jesus wants to bless you. And Jesus does. I mean, Jesus makes our life better. I mean, bottom line. Right? I mean, Jesus makes our life better in this life. Jesus brings hope and peace and joy. Jesus makes our marriage and our children. Jesus impacts every area of our life. But Jesus makes our life better for eternity. That this life is not all that there is. That there is more to come. And Peter just steps out and says, hey, let me, God wants to bless you. God wants to give you a hope and a future. God loves you. And I believe this world is looking for people who are bold. I believe this world is looking for people who are just saying, you know what, there is a God who hears and a God who cares. And there's a God who's here for you. You know how this movement continues? How this movement is unstoppable? Because it's one life at a time. One transformed life at a time. Peter, John, the beggar, church, centuries, us. One life at a time, being changed, transformed, focused on God, in love with him, sharing his love with others. One life at a time. And we as a church, we are the people of God today. That's what our vision statement says, the people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. You know what? That's what we are a part of. We are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. 
We're a part of a work that only God can do. And it's amazing. Hey, maybe today you, you can identify with this beggar. <laughs> maybe today you just need healing in your life. Maybe today you need hope. Maybe today you've kind of thought it's all about money. You know, if I get a better job, if I get more money, a bit of raise, then everything in my life will be fine. And, and what God's saying to you today is this. It's about Jesus. It's about a transformation in your heart and in your life. Maybe for you today, you've been a disciple, a follower of Christ, but God's calling you to take a next step in your journey. God's calling you to follow, to be obedient. And today, God's saying to you, hey, trust me. Trust me. I want to do something great in you and through you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. This is you and God. Uh, don't think about anybody else around. Just think about where are you spiritually? Like that beggar, you can be really close to church. You can be sitting on the outside of the temple. But your heart could be far away. And maybe today, it's a day just to say, God, here's my heart. God, you know my joys. You know my struggles. God, you know where I place my faith. You know what I trust in. And God, today I want to trust in you. God, I want new life. I want hope. Maybe today God's speaking to you and saying, you have a platform. And it starts at home with your kids, with your spouse, with your roommates. It goes to your work, your neighborhood. Maybe today say, God, I'm your disciple. How can you use me for your glory? What can you do through me? So Father God, we come before you, God, with open hands and open hearts. Father, we need you. We all, like this beggar, at one time in our life, we're looking to the things of this world to satisfy. And what many of us have discovered, Father, is you have reached down from heaven and reached a hand to us and pulled us up. We've discovered the joy and the peace and the hope that comes in Christ, in Christ alone. I pray today for anybody here who is yet to put their faith in you, that God, you would draw them to yourself today and that their life would be forever changed. I pray, Father, as you speak to people, maybe it's about baptism or taking a next step. Maybe it's about locking arms with the church and growing together and serving together. Maybe it's about just sharing the love of Christ and their home or with a neighbor or family member or friend. God, speak to us right now. And Lord Jesus, we are willing to do whatever you call us to do. We are your servants. And we're going to give all for you. Thank you for your presence this morning, oh God. Thank you that you love us unconditionally.